There was something so eerie about that, where the Death Star off in space in the horizon. It's like it looks like a moon that's looking at him, and it's it's like his fate is right in front of him. And mm-hmm. they shot it. Greg Fraser did an over-the-shoulder shot with it, so it made it look like two characters are facing off, but one of the characters is the Death Star. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll never forget that shot. That it that really stuck with me. Legends, Legends of, the, of Fall. the Fall. I missed this one. It's, it's an old, old movie. movie. It's an old movie. Not but an old, old movie. Josh's sense is, of time is wrong. It's you, <laughs> 2000, says, you guys watch these old, old <laughs> movies. It's like a movie okay. from the late 90s or early 2000s. <laughs> if, it's old, if it's in the 90s, if it's in the 90s, it's old. That's over no, it's not. 25 that's years like, ago. Welcome back to the Wacky Wonderful Wise Works podcast, everybody. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us here on a Friday <laughs> mm. or on a Monday if you're a patron. Yeah. Mm. All you guys, gals, geeks, and goofballs, you know? That, that's, that, that's that's why we're here doing this is so that people can enjoy, enjoy a little time during their day to start or midday for uh, to, to just catch up on some new things going on in the world of entertainment and movies and yes. with uh, with three of us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I was, yes, I was trying no. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something interesting, but my mind blanked. I think um I think overall it seems like you have a really interesting podcast. Do could you give us a quick synopsis just so everyone knows what we're covering today, roughly? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, upcoming sci-fi. What does the future look like for sci-fi and how is that going to define, you know, what sci-fi is moving forward? I mean, cause we kind of know what it's looked like in the past 15 years. Um, spoiler uh, alert, it's all AI. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, and then, and then we're going to be talking about an interesting subject um, on in the YouTube space and in the video game space um, that I I think is really kind of really interesting and mm-hmm. uh, worth talking about. And then, um, uh, and then we're gonna and and yeah, and then we're gonna touch on that new Amber Heard. Johnny Depp trial mm. documentary. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and then, <clears throat> and then if we have time for a little game at the end, good. I love games. I love yeah. games. A little, a little improv game. Before we get into this, we ended last podcast, uh, with me telling Wyatt because he didn't see my video about the delays mm-hmm. for Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it comes out. I think we record, literally about six days before it comes out publicly, mm. just a couple days before it comes out on Patreon. Um, and so I wanted to actually, I wanted to share this article because it looks like we got some confirmation on that front, if that's cool. Are you guys good to look at this for a second? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so check this out. So Dune Part 2 delayed to 2024 mm-hmm. mid-strikes. So it's confirmed yes. March 15th. Is the new release date for Dune Part Two? 
at least they're not pushing it to like November next year where we'd have to wait a whole year. Um, why, why, why March 15th, you think? I think it's just that's that's like oh, I mean that's like when Mario came out, so it seems yeah, like it's a time it's time a decent for... time for movies to come out. Probably I February guess. and January is less less Mar- of an interesting time. Yeah, it's like March, April, May, and then July. The summer blockbusters with June and July. Yeah. So and then they kind of wait and do like November, December as the bigger movies at the end, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming. There's probably something else slated for next year around like November, December, a big movie. So yeah. they don't want to, you know, they they don't want to overlap because I know it's always a controversial thing or not. I don't know, controversial or like a thing where two movies get put on the same weekend. And it's like, mm-hmm. what are we going to go see? What are we going to go I think, see? I think it's an arbitrary date. I think they're pushing it back because they need to push it back. And that's kind of when... Um, that's, I think about as far as they can push it back to be mm-hmm. reasonably like, yeah, hopefully things will be kind of wrapped up around then. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. We're really hoping. So, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think, uh, I think these studios are just panicking. I think they're mm-hmm. like, we can't. Uh, okay. Let, let's ask you, let's ask this. Cause this is an actually good question that, um, we may not know the answer to, and we may well, not have I'll be the judge of the that. answer to listen. Oppenheimer and Barbie, and in some sense, Mission Impossible, and they, these movies did really well hmm. in the in the thick of the strike. Okay, Sound of Freedom as well. Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. Um, so the question is: Do is that an anomaly situation, or is it important that the actors are a part of the promotion well, for the, these movies? The um. The the movie the promotion had already come out for those movies. How did promotion, you see a lot of stuff with like Ryan Gosling and Ro- Margot Robbie? Yeah, yeah, Barbie? oh yeah, yeah. There was I didn't tons see of a stuff. lot. I think I tons saw tons of one there thing. were tons of there were a bunch of interviews and you know uh, red carpets and everything. Mm-hmm. So all of I think all of the stuff for that had already come out by the time um, the movies dropped. So okay. you know, no no big. No skin off their backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they 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 could get their movies out, make a ton of money, and then be like, "All right, we're going on strike." Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it's kind of crazy. The I think is was this true that Warner Brothers? Am I wrong at this? Didn't it, hasn't Barbie become the highest grossing Warner Brothers film of all time? I believe so. I think so. Yeah, which is nuts. Barbie it is crazy. Barbie is the <laughs> going into the future, the golden child for Warner Bros. Wow. It is. It and is the movie now. It's um a or the pink child, was, I should say. It's a fluke, in my opinion. It. What do you um, mean by that? It's just it. It hit all of the the notes that it needed to hit, and. You know, and then based on um, reviews and stuff, it's just kind of a mid, me a mid kind a mid movie. It's nothing I hope, like super special. I already know this is going to happen, but I hope it doesn't. But it's for sure going to happen. 
uh, Greta Gerwig is going to be skyrocketed with. She's gonna. We're gonna see a ton of movies that she's gonna yeah. be directing in the future, base because of this, because yeah. of her movie just happened to work out. Well, she's already she getting roles. She's a, she's already getting directing positions before this movie was a success, right? Yeah, but like before now, let, very let's much just. So. Let's look at her, you know, track record in the next coming years. I'm guaranteed it's going to be like she didn't do a lot skyrocket and then it's going to be like, ooh, it's going to come back down yeah. and just be yeah. like. Because they're going to realize that it's not Greta Gerwig that makes or breaks a movie. No. It's mm-hmm. freaking the fact that they made a Barbie movie and that it's, all these yeah, women it's, are Yeah, it's the name. It's the brand Barbie. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the the marketing which is right, Ryan Gosling. It's, it's Ryan Gosling and um, uh, what's her face? Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. So, Less Margot you know, Robbie, more Ryan Gosling. Honestly, and yeah, uh, I don't, but I don't, I, I don't know. Margot Robbie's very much kind of Barbie, and sure. So, but so yeah, people... and then and then also it's uh, you know, it's women. If you can get the <laughs> women to. Uh, be passionate about some about a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will. They will make that movie successful. Yeah, they will. Now, Titanic, the, the Notebook. They yeah. will make it successful um, because they, women don't get as many movies as men. Yeah, no. chick flicks, whatever. But you know, big movies that right. are made for women. I, they don't get as many of those. So by women is the big yeah movie. for women by women. It's <laughs> they don't get many, and so. All of the stars aligned to make this movie uh, the greatest just, success. Uh, yeah, just an incredible success. And um, I'm not saying that it doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying that I don't think that you're going to get this kind of result again. No. Uh, this is literally once no. in a career, unless you're unless no, you're not necessarily James Cameron. Okay, yes. So mm-hmm. if you're someone like James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, they are known or even like Quentin Tarantino, they're known for making films and we we love their films so we Greta go Gerwig out. is not Steven Spielberg. Yeah, she's not is what I'm saying. So she can't make like an ET and then come back and make a Jurassic Park and it be like just a success it's it's not gonna happen so i, I mean she's made some successful movies what did she make media uh, ladybird that wasn't i wouldn't consider that a successful movie like did she she did that pride and prejudice one no it was little women little, little women, women. yeah but nobody's none of these are none of these are big movies like that really popped off none of them are we're it's still only making Barbie. movies for so, jurassic park we're not making I mean, I guess we're, we are making Little Women movies because of the okay. book, not because of her her movie, though. So yeah, check that's, this out. yeah, that's the reason it has a legacy is because of the book. Okay, so check this out. Do you think uh, – two questions. Number one, do you think that because she's going to be so popular and in such high demand that she will say, I don't really want to actually do Narnia. I want to do this high-paying, <laughs> high-paying job that this other she, studio is mm, offering me, you know? Probably and already they, contracted – Maybe it. okay. The, she she might break get out of it. We've we've seen we've seen people do that before. All right. Second question: If she does go ahead and and make Narnia, do you think that is going to be the? It's like instant success, Barbie, and then she makes Narnia, and that's going to be the thing that that plummets her. 
because obviously be if she yeah, makes if she makes be. Narnia and, and Netflix does Narnia, it's we it's not pretty much can guarantee it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Guarantee. Yeah, but I don't know that that will be enough to tank her reputation because what it'll be a lot of, um, it'll be a lot of uh uh more of the conservative crowd that's upset with her and so hollywood won't see that as an issue you know, they'll be like why? well we'll just we'll give her more look stuff. at dan and david from game of thrones that's game of thrones uh-huh. but this is narnia no no it just look at sound of freedom the you can't discredit the conservative no no, no. I, 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 know, I i'm not i'm not absolutely a, we got a not. strong crowd the, here the but i don't think that uh, hollywood doesn't won't care about that they will they will just give her something else um it it won't be it'll be i think it'll take a couple of things to really kind of tank her reputation Hmm. if if she you know fails at those things which you know not saying she is going to i just don't think that the there's going to be continued success like the barbie movie no, there I won't don't think be. So. There's there's no way that she could just make banger after banger movie and uh, get the numbers and the start make all the money that she has with because of the Barbie. Well, listen, it, when it comes down to it, I don't think she made a banger with Barbie. Financially, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying and like reputationally, she's made a lot of, she's made, oh yeah, she we're going based fully on, on financials. Financial, financial. I don't think it's, the Barbie movie's a banger. <laughs> I think it's just know, kind of a mid. Uh, I don't even know what it falls you know on. How, is it a rom-com? A mid-movie made by mid-women? Do you know how mid-movie. different it would be right now if we still had, like, you know, Amy Schumer going to be playing Barbie? Yikes. <laughs> why, why do you keep bringing this up? Because it was something that was going to happen. She was going to be Barbie, yeah. and she would not play a good Barbie. Sure, but, I mean, a mid-movie for a mid-actor. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would have been just... It would have been what it was. I mean, I I don't think. Look, just because Margot Robbie's playing Barbie doesn't necessarily mean like it's a better movie because of it. No, no. but the combination of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, and it is a well-known fact that Ryan Gosling did it because Margot Robbie was Barbie, and he would have not never done it probably if it was Amy Schumer. It would have been somebody else, and so. Mm. It's yeah, a it wouldn't have seen the, that, it wouldn't have seen the kind of success no. that it saw. I mean, you you can't deny that when we first heard Ryan Gosling was going to be playing Ken, we're like, okay, okay, this this would that definitely tracks. work. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good move. I think that was that might have been the move, the saving grace of this film. Not not the not the saving grace. I mean, just the move that's turned mm-hmm. it into what it is. I think casting Ryan Gosling as Ken might have been the move. It's, I think it might be on par with casting Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's like yeah. it's the thing that makes it a success. And I'm not trying to say that a man makes the woman movie a success, but in some ways, if it didn't have it Ryan did. Gosling, it did. If it didn't what? have Ryan Gosling, it did. Would it be oh, just it, as popular? You got the women, but you also got the men with Ryan Gosling. What? Okay, well, you got the women culture. also with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> We keep exactly. we keep Margot Robbie, but who else would you put in as Ken if it wasn't Ryan? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. No, could have. No, could have. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have 
picked Hemsworth. Um, I mean, I feel like Zac Efron at one point would have played like a Ken. At at one point, yeah. At one point Um, would have played like a Ken. Oh, boy. Or Um, if we were going comic, we would definitely put like Adam... Adam Devine, is that right? Adam yeah, Adam Devine. Yeah, if it were if it was Adam Devine and Amy Schumer, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have gone to theaters to see it. No, wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't have gone at all. <laughs> the I think the memes probably would have still been there if Adam yeah. Devine was Ken. Um uh what's the guy from MacGyver? The new MacGyver. Oh yeah, that's a oh. deep cut. I don't know. Let me look I, yeah, but he's not like I, a well-known like actor. No, but he's he's handsome and attractive and has a, you know that kind of Ken build. I'd have gone with him, and he's got MacGyver. blonde hair. Uh, Till Lucas. Yeah, I'd have gone. I I think he could have done it. Um, <laughs> this is such a deep cut. Nobody even knows who he is. Yeah. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's, he's been in a bunch, but no. it's like he's not still. Nobody not knows like, who he is. You yeah, this movie would not have crazy. been a success if they put him as Ken. No, I'm saying he said who who else could have played Ken? I think he could have played Ken because I think he's the right. He's got the right look. Chris Hemsworth Speaking doesn't of have the right look. that actor, though. Are you kidding? Chris Hemsworth and- could be a Ken a million times more than this mm-hmm. and make the movie. No, he's too successful. big. Too big. No, he no he Ken, the, he the Ken it. doll is not that big. Could He's not, Ken, but Ken has to be a a muscular but thin build. Hmm. But he also for like roles, Heart of the Sea, he got pretty skinny for that. He he lost a bunch of weight and kind of got rid of some muscle to where he could do that. I don't think it, this guy. This guy he's an not, older, yeah, but it's been a long time since Heart of the Sea. He he's not the same size as he no. was in Heart of the Sea. He could have played Ken. Look how sexy he is. <laughs> Look how cute he is. This I'd is like, cast. I would have cast him as Ken. Why? We, the movie was built on making sure you have recognizable star faces. In yeah, movies. but you didn't. This ask, would be the worst you did, choice you didn't ever. Say you didn't say who. You didn't say what. Big, huge, I didn't ask the question, Joshua. Multi-famous did. star. <laughs> would you Joshua have asked the question? Ken. Uh, uh, regardless, that's the the question that was asked was who He's could play Ken? Who could play Ken? You didn't say who's with like the, the implication actor right with the implication now. of keeping it a success. Keeping it a success. I you know I don't know. So Till, I wouldn't have not not, <laughs> not Chris Hemsworth. Hit. At one point. He would have to be a lot younger than he is now, but I could stick like, you know, Brad Pitt in there. He would have yeah, to be a lot he's, younger. He would have had yeah. to be a lot younger. Legends Brad of the Pitt Fall younger. A, I mean, <laughs> is, Brad Pitt, is Brad Pitt that much older than Ryan Gosling? Yes. Oh, yeah. Brad Pitt's yeah, probably absolutely. in his 60s. All right, let's see. Yes. Or late 50s. He's got to be. It's funny. We, we just watched. I watched it's for the first nine. time. 59. I told you he was about late 50s, early 60s. Um, we watched Legends of the Fall. Young, a young Brad Pitt where he kind of plays this. I, I don't know. I don't want to say Native American because he doesn't. He's not a Native American in the movie, but he he plays a Native American type, I guess, is what you, oh, you want to say. He's a he, white he, guy that he, he, yeah, grew, up grew up with Native American. On the frontier, yeah. 
He grew he, up on the frontier, and so he's just kind of like a wayward. Yeah, he's he's know, got long child. hair. He's got long hair, and there's a scene where his brother dies, and he like takes his brother's heart, paints his face, and then takes a knife out and goes into the to a battle and just starts like scalping people, mm. and it's a crazy scene. Wait, who played it's in this movie? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. He's, Anthony. He's Hopkins. playing. What is this movie called? Legends, Legends of, the, of fall. the Fall. I missed this one. It's, it's an old, old movie. movie. It's an old movie. Not but an old, old movie. Josh's sense is, of time is wrong. It's you, he says, you guys watch, 90s. You guys watch these old, old <laughs> movies. It's like a movie okay. from the late 90s or early 2000s. <laughs> if, it's old, if it's in the 90s, if it's in the 90s, it's old. That's over no, it's not. 25 it, that's like, years ago. Yeah, that's that's a. it was a prime time for movies. It's not, they're not old. old I, are you old, old, old? It's, no, you're if it's older than 26. me. Then it it's an old movie. Nah, yeah, it's a patriot. Uh, I would say movies back in a, like is nineties. I would say you know a movie back in like you know the eighties is an old movie. Uh, Freaking seventies is an old movie, but like Braveheart. Brave Braveheart and Legends of the Fall and all of these other those aren't old. The old Last movies. Samurai, not yet, not yet. Maybe not in yet. 10, 15 years. Look, um, before we sh- before we shift, uh, speaking of movies that uh, are violent, because I do want to get to the topics because I feel like we're going to be on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to mention this. I went ahead and watched Timothy Chalamet's Bones and All. Oh, no. The Ew. other day. Is that really violent? Um, I would not recommend the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not even necessarily because of the violence. It's what just is, weird, dude. It's the is, weirdest. It's the weirdest. It might be the one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. I, it's I don't. It's not good. <laughs> what did Kenzie think? Because I know she's she oh, hated it. She's a hardcore <laughs> she Timothy it. fan. Well, it's not your typical Timothy film, probably. No, she hated it. She actually at the end of the movie, she was like, Timothy. It seemed like he was trying his best to act in this role, but the writing was just so dumb and weird. <laughs> Like he was just making the best of it. And I was like, well, he did agree to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. was like, I don't know. Just seemed like not a movie for him. Wasn't it nominated Everybody for gets an those. award last year? Yes. I don't know why. It was the weirdest, the weirdest movie. Don't watch Bones and All. Don't watch it. Because it's free on Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> I think Prime. Um, yeah. Yeah. This. That's what we uh, have. What, so what, what's uh, the first topic? So, uh, yeah, the first topic is upcoming sci-fi and how is how is this going to kind of define the future? Because we've seen we 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 we've seen what has defined sci-fi in the past. Right. Um, Obviously, Star Wars and Star Trek uh, defined Mm -hmm. what sci-fi was from, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, all the way, I would say, to the 2000s. Yeah. Um, Then Matrix came out. And And that defined it. Dude, the Matrix, yeah, the Matrix kind of redefined it of of what we could do with animation and slow motion and, um, you know, interesting kind of high concept ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I want to say for the next 
the next 10 years, 15 years, um, everything was kind of matrixy. Right. I I have to throw a little bone in here, though. You know, you have defining sci-fi in the next generation, but you put Dune up here where Dune, yes, they are making new movies. And I would say the movies are setting this preface for new sci-fi stuff Mm. or fantasy, but Dune is an old book, so I wouldn't say Dune. So, you, can't, you can't include Dune in upcoming. I, I absolutely can, um, because the but Dune has been Dune, around forever. Dune, Dune, the book defined what sci-fi looked like for Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, and for other books of its nature. It also came out. The for original movie came out around Star Wars and was a genre-defining look, mm-hmm. and then the the dune that has come out recently and the dune that will come out recent uh, uh in the future are new visual takes on what sci-fi can look like mm-hmm. um and so yeah they're they're in they are helping to redefine how sci-fi looks not necessarily the story we know the story but the way sci-fi is filmed the way yep. that it can impact people visually uh, with with uh, large scale or even small scale, because the small scale stuff in this movie is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and we're seeing this a lot. We saw from the creator trailers, from the Dune trailers, from Rebel Moon. Um, sci-fi these days is is they're trying to make it as large scale as possible mm-hmm. uh, for that for that epic kind of kind of kind of almost hearkening back to some of the Star Wars stuff of, you know, when when we see the Death Star come right. out from behind a planet. It's like we want this stuff that is so big and epic. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I, so to kind of dive into this, I, just, I made a comment on the beginning where you were introducing this. I was like, spoiler alert, it's all AI. Mm-hmm. It does feel very AI heavy right now with going to like, be, yeah. things like ChatGBT. I think that's pushing a AI narrative. Mm-hmm. Like I think at one point we had a time travel travel narrative, and there was I guess like this early two thousands, maybe two thousand ten, uh, time where we had some time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I think there's a lot of AI that's going to be coming up at least in the next, I think, three years. I'm going to give it three to five years. We're going to see a lot. I would say like 70% is going to be AI. Well, you know, I would say all three of these stories from what we're seeing are are they they don't get into it in the first dune movie i'm hoping maybe they mention it a little bit in the second um ai is a big thing in dune mm-hmm. um for for why the world is the way it is why there are mentats and benny Gesserit and things like that is because they had they had a big war with ai with thinking mm-hmm. machines um that's why a lot of their ships are less computer more analog Mm-hmm. Um, and you know stuff like that and we're seeing from Rebel Moon and from the creator there's some pretty heavy like robotics um, yeah. stuff 
especially the creator. Right. I found this article. Uh, Gareth Edwards is kind of talking about how he got inspired for the creator uh, promoting for promoting Rogue One. Let me share this. So uh, his approach, uh, basically, so new approach to sci-fi movies. Um, I think it, I, when it comes down to it, I think it's just a lot of fresh ideas. So like this paragraph basically summarizes he was going to his girlfriend's families. Um, I think it was out in Iowa. And mm-hmm. he basically just saw this field, this grassy field with uh, with this strange building in front of it and in the middle of it. And then he imagined robots out there working the fields, right? Mm-hmm. And I think um, – and, and – I think you're you're right. I think there's 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 elements to the this new look. So you know what you're saying earlier about how there's a there's a specific way that it has looked, and now there's like the new approach to it. I think there's I think it just <clears throat> it's it's these new creative thoughts and these these inspiring these inspired directors and creators. So if you look at I what would- you've what you've pulled up here, Creator Dune and Rebel Moon, we're talking about Gareth Edwards, Denis Villeneuve, and Zack Schneider. Mm-hmm. All three of these guys <clears throat> have a very unique approach to sci-fi and get inspiration in different ways. Rebel Moon was meant to be a, a Star Wars story, but they weren't going to hire him for that. And so if Rebel, if he can't make a Star Wars story, then he creates this new look for this world and uh yeah does it in a very snyder uh style and there you know i would say that oh sorry go ahead josh well i was just gonna kind of cut in and say there's a lot of sci-fi fantasy out there that has missed the you know the the limelight of that could have been good but just quite didn't it didn't tickle mm-hmm. everybody's fancy or it didn't quite make it. So I feel like there is a lot that that we have missed. And I know we talk about this quite often. And I, I've i mentioned a couple things where I was like, I like the concept, but it didn't quite work. So that kind of plays into how what's going to be popular in this, this coming forward. How, yeah. How do we execute? the concept mm-hmm. correctly yeah. um, i 100% am on board with that idea is you're cuz you're right i've seen tons of things where i just i love the concept i think it's Jupiter's so good ascending. it's so fun yeah Jupiter's ascending was something that like i watched and i was like i want this to be good but it it's just it's a good concept yeah. but it it, it just doesn't quite work do you remember that movie, Joseph? Yeah. I know we watched it at least once. Uh, it's you been a it. while. It's been yeah. a long time. But what, what's what's the what's the main idea for Jupiter ascending? Just to so me. there's like the high the royal family are they is that with Channing Tatum? Yes, Channing okay. Tatum and Mila Kumis. Mila Kumis. Yes, they are Kunis. harvesting Kunis. planets to basically make themselves live for forever because when they harvest the planet they can use humans to basically let let them live longer and so Mm -hmm. they are trying to harvest earth to create um long-lasting juice i guess (laughs) to say long-lasting juice yeah and (laughs) Uh, yeah it 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 just didn't quite work right and 
Yeah, it was so for a while it was the movies were kind of doing this. They were trying to do um kind of a, a dune like things and it just the the 2010s, early 2010s to mid 2010s I would say was not doing super great for those those types. There's a couple that land okay. I think um and this may have been before 2010s uh Looper I think was executed very well. Looper was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's that's that is in this genre, but it also feels very different with its mm-hmm. how they per, how they did that film. It felt very different than yeah. Like, uh, and man, but going back kind of to what you said about um, you know the robots in the field and the the large sort of look that harkens back to um, lots of old sci-fi art where. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's lots of old sci-fi art where it's a large scale, something or another, and there's robots and they're doing human tasks, uh, you know, harvesting wheat or, um, playing baseball or something, stuff like that. It's like, it's this interesting kind of fun motif that, um, people were playing around with way back. I'm talking like you know, uh, uh, you know, back in like the fifties and sixties and you can see it from like Ralph McQuarrie, uh, his, his art for star Wars, go Uh look at, you know, some of the Ralph McQuarrie art and you will, you'll see that kind of epic scale, um, epic scale and small scale sci-fi robot feel. Um, the guy, the guy who, the guy who wrote John Mark showed us a, a trailer for it. Uh, oh, what was it called? The robot thing. I forget what it's called, but it oh, was is it Wyatt? Yeah, yeah. That's that's that kind of old Ralph McQuarrie um, art style. Okay. Yeah, like some of this kind of feels. I mean, this is Game of Thrones. Um, go up. Uh, wh- why is his name so weird? Ralph. It's oh, it's M. Uh, it's it's like Mac Quarry M A C, and then I not think it's Q U A R R. Is that not correct? No, no, no. That's not it. M A C, M A C Q U R R something. Why? Use it out. Yeah, that that should be closer to it. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so yeah, so this is this is closer yeah, like his his at. images okay. like Cloud City and um uh you know the spaceships and the robots That's and cool. everything. It was just it, you know, I it's part of what made Star Wars look so iconic. Is right. the, they, this is a little history that I don't know. Don't want to go from your topic, but is he the one who made like the you know the posters for Star Wars are very like animated. You know, yeah, I think drawn. So. Is he the one who did that? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I, um, I, I never knew that. I, I was just curious. This is, but again, this is what defined like that one especially is super iconic. This is what defined the look for Star Wars, and therefore defined the look for sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and what could be possible was making these pictures that people had had seen for a long time. This high concept stuff had been around for a long time. 
Right. Um, and and then Star Wars made it a reality. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm almost I almost hope that the new trend is to uh visually make this this stuff, this large scale stuff look uh, make like you could take a snapshot of it and make those mm-hmm. old pictures from it. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to see that. I mean, I, in some ways he doesn't do this across the board, like, like always, but I think Zack Schneider has part of that in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was getting some serious 300 vibes from the rebel Moon yeah. trailer. It almost it more than iconic. anything he's done since. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I heard a, I heard, couple people watching the trailer and they were like oh this just looks bad the animation looks bad it's like it does look not real but mm-hmm. it looks like Zack Schneider you know it looks like yeah. that 300 vibe where it it's like the colors are just wonky I mean literally the 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 king of Persia I think it was in prince 300 Persia. Mm-hmm. no not the prince of Persia the oh like the the, oh oh um, uh yeah Xerxes yeah Xerxes uh, he in 300 that's like a a real actor but in some Mm -hmm. ways when you look at it the way the the animation style was the environment that they placed him in it's all unnatural and so it almost makes him feel like he's an animated person it's like he looks yeah he looks like a a god almost yeah yeah and he was a lot larger and and so there's a specific style that he has that in some ways maybe visually a lot of people it doesn't it doesn't or on on video it doesn't resonate with a lot of people it doesn't feel it doesn't feel probably like the creator does that's organic and real like that uh, greg fraser style Mm -hmm. but but in a lot of ways rebel moon has its own take on it It has its own unique look that you're saying the screenshot is piece of art you know even if we went back to rogue one that's what i wanted all of the star wars movies to to look like Mm-hmm. not to be like necessarily but to look like that's what i wanted from every star wars everything was you know it took you know the 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 prequels tried to do some of that large scale stuff and it yeah. didn't quite work uh mm-hmm. but it was, it was like rogue one perfected that sort of big uh just big space sci-fi look and i wanted all of like the the Star Wars movies coming out around that time to look, look like that. Rogue One has forever imprinted on me this one specific shot where the the dude who plays the antagonist in Rogue One, I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. He's the guy with the lisp, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, we know. The Death Star is up in space and he's on the edge of this high tower or whatever. And the the Death Star like comes over the horizon, almost looks like he's it's looking straight at him. Yeah. Before it's about to shoot the laser and blow up the whole the whole planet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's almost like it's almost it, it's some there was something so eerie about that, where the Death Star off in space in the horizon, past the atmosphere, is it's like it looks like a moon that's looking at him and it's it's like his fate is right in front of him and mm-hmm. they shot it J- greg frazier did an over the shoulder shot with it so it made it look like two characters are facing off but one of the characters is the death star you know what i mean yeah i'll never forget that shot that it that really stuck with me um because i hadn't seen that before it was really cool yeah rogue one it the look of it's wonderful 
the the vibe and the look of the the universe is is unlike anything we've seen in Star Wars. So yeah, I, I agree, and I think the creator is going to feel that way. And Denis Villeneuve has his own unique look to things. Oh, yeah. the Dune universe to life. The Dune, the Dune feels very big and very, you know, stylized, unique, yes. unique from planet to planet, unique from mm-hmm. family to family. You know. It's going to be fun, but dang it, I really wish we didn't have to wait till March to see Dune. Yeah, this, yeah, this date is wrong. <laughs> At least we probably should be getting the creator uh, soon. Would you say we have a new Dune date? Yeah, we yeah. have um, just March March, 17th. March 15th. So, oh, 15th, I thought it was 17th. Did I, t- I said that earlier, remember? I said Dune date. Dune date? Date. I didn't uh, say due date. I said Dune date. It's a it's a pun. It's a play on words. I guess I you. thought it was funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Fine, fine, Rick. Um, um, I thought it was good. Look, thank you, Karina, for being yes, a Patreon you. supporter. Yes, we really appreciate you over there. You get the podcast early. Mm-hmm. We've been recently coming out with the podcast on the Studio Channel live on Fridays at noon. We can't say that enough. Live on Fridays at noon. Yeah. Live on Fridays at noon at the Studio Channel. Studio Channel, but yes. you get it on Monday morning at seven. Monday morning at seven a.m. Full five days early if you're over there on Patreon. So, um, so yeah, and that's what Karina gets to enjoy. She also gets exclusive access to uh, pre-shows. She also gets a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, a bunch of other stuff that we do, including a whole catalog. So. Go check yeah. out Patreon. The link's in the description and choose the tier that best fits your content needs. We'd love to have you over there. We'd love to see you um, and and shout your name out, you know, during the podcast and and appreciate you for being over there on Patreon just like Karina is. So thank you. We love you. And, uh, and, and, and that's all she wrote, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was. Those. I was hoping somebody would have some filler, <laughs> bro. I'm I'm, uh, I'm waiting for you to. I'm waiting for you to like come in with something clever to introduce, like oh, uh, to introduce the next topic. Yeah, I I I was leaving I finally, some space for you. Leaving space. That's what I was here, doing. Here we go. I got I. I'm finally had had it with these. You guys, both of you, stealing my style. I know why it's like. Oh, it's a t-shirt style. It you can't. You're cop. I'm just copying a T-shirt style because it's. You can't say that your style is just T-shirts, and that's not a style. Yeah, you can't claim T-shirts. No, I'm claiming it. I'm tired of you two fools stealing my stuff. I would say your style is your style revolves more around. It it revolves less around your T-shirt and more around your your pants, shoes, and hat. That's where you stylize the most. You you just you don't throw wanna, on. Okay, we all do the same thing. We all throw on a t-shirt and then we stylize around our pants, shoes, and hats. Okay, um, well, you know, Post Malone's taking my George style because I've been wearing the jorts for a while. Hey, now. Post Malone can take Post whatever Malone he wants. It's taken mm-hmm. my. Don't you say a bad thing about Post Malone. Don't you say a bad thing. Don't you think no bad stuff. He's going mm-hmm, on page mm-hmm. and you stealing apologize, my shorts. I mean, I'm, let me stand up real quick. Look. I'm Show us the, the cutoffs. The jorts the right now. Well, I can't get up that high. But... 
Look at that. You have been wearing the jorts for a while. and Because he, he it's hasn't. my style. And he's starting now. Again, so again, I'm, you're I'm hats, hats pants, and shoes. Hats, pants, and shoes. That's that's well, where you stylize most. So you can't be like, oh, the shirt. The shirt. See, if you were wearing that? if you were wearing interesting shirts, like you were saying earlier, graphic tees or specific kinds of hoodies or maybe – Maybe even if you went with the the t-shirts that have like the button up here, mm-hmm. if that's like all you wore and we started wearing those, yeah, then we're stealing your style. But you can't claim regular t-shirts, just plain old t-shirts. Uh, if I'm you, now, if I if I bought that Adidas, if I bought now. that Adidas hat and started wearing that Adidas hat, yeah, now I'm stealing your style. What right. I'm complaining about is also why, you don't wear backwards hats. I do. No, I don't do the backwards hat thing. I went, Wyatt went to Maranatha, and then he comes back, and I said, hey, you're wearing my shirt. And he's like, no, I bought a pack of T-shirts, the same brand with the pocket. So he literally bought the same pack of T-shirts that I have. Sorry. So we, our shirts are mixing up now, you know? You're mixing up your shirts? It's okay. (laughs) Do you guys wear the same size? (laughs) Yeah, it's a medium. Oh, you wear mediums? I large, you know. They shrink up a little bit. Yeah. And so you're not wearing the same size, so you're fine. But no, I don't I don't go with the pockets. And also I don't I I'd like to have more graphic tees, but th- I think the most annoying thing about graphic tees is that you have to buy them individual. Individually. Yes. And then I feel like that's gotta be wrong. It. You can get a you could get a pack of graphic tees, right? You there's probably Maybe. like subscription services online. I'm, I'm, I'm Almost one hundred percent sure I've definitely seen this get a pack of graphic tees online. Where I've looked into, you can buy like subscription service where once a month they send you like a bundle of graphic tees that of style that you like, and they'll just get you like vintage graphic tees. But it's kind of I expensive. might. Oh, it's expensive. Is that a real service? I would love to do. No, that's it's a real service. You know how like oh. you can do the 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 bespoke post or the yeah you know those those boxes that you they send you stuff once a month and like it's kind of it's stuff you would enjoy they have that service for like graphic tees you say like hey i like you know vintage cars so they send you like vintage car graphic tees and yeah they get but okay but the thing is like most graphic t-shirts i hate the way like the the fit of the shirt itself. Okay. The shirt fit is terrible. And, yeah. and honestly, what I need is because almost every time I'm not a tall person, but almost every time a shirt hikes up and like, as I wash it twice, it becomes short. Mm. And then like, it's showing off my butt crack and it's showing off my underbelly and it's like a mm-hmm. large shirt. Why does mm-hmm. it shrink <laughs> vertically? Like, why is yeah. it become smaller? It doesn't feel too tight. Hey, there's just all kinds of problems with the way that these, it maybe they're just used cheap t-shirts. These. So you're saying notes- a service, a service that makes graphic tees where you send them the kind of shirts that you want. Like I want these Hanes medium t-shirts with a graphic design right here that avoids the pocket or maybe right. overlaps with the pocket or maybe there's no pocket at all and mm-hmm. I don't go pocket. you send your t-shirts to them they professionally put the graphic on there and send it Ooh. back maybe this is something we should do get in contact with like Jackson and be like hey we're going to start a graphic tee 
business. We're going to design a bunch of graphic tees, make them in packs so people can buy like a pack of five, four, you know, 20. It's been a while bucks. since I've, since we did the podcast. Do, do they prioritize quality or do they prioritize uh, mass producing quantity. over there at his? At his. I feel like I feel like if we worked with them, we could figure out we could do it either way. We could do mass or we could do quality. We just have well, to. Well, I get, don't. I want quality for myself. That's what we're doing, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, for us, so we're we're creating a contract for our personal use. Yeah. Okay. We we, we got to talk about this afterwards. We de- um, we definitely should. This seems like we got something here. Yeah. Let's I let's think, move into this next topic. All right. Here we go. What is this? So this is, um, I'm sure you you viewers who are familiar with the video games and video game worlds, if you've played Elden Ring or any kind of Souls-like game, you're familiar with, um, what's his YouTube name, Vatividia? Sure. You're, you're familiar with Vatividia. Um, he makes breakdowns of... Um, of... Uh, Video game stuff, mm-hmm. and of of like FromSoft, FromSoft, like Elden Ring and Armored Core and Dark Souls, and um, which are big games where the storyline is often uh, a little bit convoluted because they're open world, they're large games, and right. he breaks down, he takes those storylines and makes it con- you know makes it palpable, like consumable for everybody. So he actually is telling the story. He's he's, he's telling the story. Does so with uh, scenes and gameplay from the games and clever editing, and it it's cinematic. It's very okay. cinematic. Um, this actually this this screenshot here. He had uh, professional artists um, do all this. So the opening for this video. Which okay, is cool. let me go play the opening for the video. So this right here, yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Don't don't play too much of it. Uh, yeah. But he had artists do all this. Yeah. Um, to to just kind of add a little bit of something for um so, uh, to to help expand the lore in your mind. Mm-hmm. Which and is, it's effective. It's effective. It's effective, and and the art is really good. Uh, yeah. And and. And then he goes from this art into gameplay. And the thing about Elden Ring is it looks so good that you can take, you know, shots from the game like this and just he's editing them together uh, and making it cinematic, which is <clears throat> so, so he's, cool. Yeah, he like he like literally makes composition with the gameplay. Mm-hmm. So as two characters are talking and telling the story and having dialogue between each other, he's doing like the over-the-shoulder cuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yes. He utilizing uh, the and, game and actually creating composition from inside yeah, the game. Creating creating the story that you want that the player experiences, mm-hmm. but that a viewer maybe doesn't get to see as much of. And um I just I I I wanted to talk about this because I saw that this specific video came out very recently. Um, let's see, when did it drop? Uh, it dropped six days ago. 
and it okay. has 1.2 million <laughs> views and it's Very good. an hour long it's an hour long video yes. and he does this consistently um he does this consistently he drops longer videos that are consistently getting these large amounts of views mm -hmm. uh, and i think there's a good reason he's he's putting a lot of time and effort into this um and this one specifically is following your your uh view of the um adventure through the elden ring world and following a specific storyline where you meet the character blaze and you like do all the steps on that specific storyline in this open world game and he makes it emotional because mm -hmm. like it's an story yeah mm -hmm. because you know what happens with this character and your character is interesting mm -hmm. you go from being strangers to friends and and, and lovers when not quite lovers, but you like no. you fight together, yeah. you battle together. Um, then eventually, you, the player, kind of take his place as the uh, the character Ronnie. You kind of take that's cool his place yeah, as really her. Cool. This is from the game. This is yeah. <laughs> you you take his place as her like uh, guardian mm -hmm. um, and 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 consort essentially. Even though he's been with her his whole life, right, uh, as her protector and guardian, and it's th the way that this is edited. Um, uh, if you wanted to play a little bit from the video of, uh, just what what part? Any part? Any part? Any part? Like that? Play that. So this is an actual boss fight from the video game. Um, these are all moves that you do in the video game, mm -hmm. all things that happen. And it's just, ed he's editing it together to make the battle look like a real battle that's happening. Yeah. And, but it's just all in game. And I, I was watching it and I was like, this is, I almost, I was, it's an hour long video. So I clicked on it and I was like, well, I can't sit here and watch this, but as I was watching, I was like, wow, this editing is so clever. Yeah. Uh, it's so well done. What did you think, Joe? I, I know you watched a little bit of it. You know, at first I was thinking when I, because I'm not a big gamer. And so I didn't, I didn't watch, I skipped to the end and, and heard his explanation of the mm -hmm. situation. And, and from what I gathered, it was like, this is, this is actual stories from Elden Ring. Cause I know there's a lot of storylines inside that mm -hmm. game. And so he's just, showing you without any distractions what that specific story is and when i first started playing it and then i saw the gameplay aspect of it i was like oh sick there he's creating stories and using elden ring to tell a story right and mm -hmm. i was like oh no he's he's helping people understand the stories that already exist the story that's already there um and you know some of these stories were crafted by you know R.R. Martin, right? Because mm -hmm. he helped out with mm -hmm. the writing of these stories. So, but yeah, if you if you pay attention in the game, all of the main like boss characters, their names start with a G, an R, or an M. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, if if you go back to the slides, um, I think it's it's you know 
what he's doing with uh, taking these, like following this character and kind of his uh, storyline as it devolves into, you know, they get they get manipulated, they turn against each other, and eventually uh, you have to fight this character who you've fought alongside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I don't know. The video game tells the story, but they don't tell the story, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so this idea of breaking it down, making it not, not only consumable for the audience, which is, you know, what he's doing, he's making it consumable for the audience. He's making it visually pleasing as well. If you go to the next slide, this slide in particular, where you stab the wolf, this is in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, this scene is th- I, 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 what an excellent shot from this yeah. fight yeah. of you know this friend that you have to put down. Right. I mean, I, I was like, how, 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 how is this so? Uh, emotionally impactful and I've only watched uh, a little bit of this thing he's making it not just not just consumable but visually pleasing and um, you know allowing the audience to take in the emotional impact that the writers of the story wanted you to take away from it so so my my question is I'm con- so this is something he's doing for YouTube he's he's putting a lot of effort into mm-hmm. this. I think my biggest question is I kind of assume people are already doing this like all over the place on YouTube breaking down storylines for yeah. video games and explaining and it or showing it to people. I'm sure they are, but the 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 reason I bring this guy up is because he is doing it with a level of professionalism and consistent success mm-hmm. that you know makes me wonder about the the future of storytelling we've already seen um big cinematic video games like the new god of war series is taking mm-hmm. the cinematics of the video game and the adventure of the video game to a different level yeah. so that you can appreciate not only the fighting and everything but also the visual story um I'm just curious about you guys' opinion. What do you think of um, using the visual medium and uh, making kind of a almost almost making a story out of a story that already exists with what like kind of like what he's doing on yeah. YouTube? Do you th- see this happening more often, or do you see it? Do you see the people who make the video games getting better at incorporating this? I think, I mean, personally, I, I look at this and my mind starts going about what are what are creative opportunities for people who are just good storytellers? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way that you can customize a video game laid out to you by the creators of the video game, you can choose to be a specific um, character. You can choose to a specific uh, fight, a specific route, a specific storyline. There's a lot of specifics that a game can create, but in some ways with this, he almost has to be very intentional and craft and plan and try to finagle to tell the visual cinematic story that he's telling here, you know, because Mm -hmm. 
although he's telling the game story, he's telling it in his own way at his own speed. And, and so he has to kind of make the game work for him. What I'm more interested in is creating, creating millions of different types of characters and then creating hundreds of different spaces and scenarios and then saying kind of like a game world with cinematics and then telling creative storytellers have at it and they can enter this world enter mm. this virtual world and place characters and have them do yeah. things and so that was my next story, question you know that was my next question what does the future look like for this uh how do we because uh, people have been doing this for a long time taking the cinematics from a video game and making a story do you guys know yeah. what red versus blue is i've heard of it but i don't i don't yeah, know that sounds familiar it is, is the it is it was based on the halo video games where they they just they got into the, like the 2v2s and started um writing dialogue for these characters and walking around as them and they were just recording it all uh mm-hmm. and so they created this narrative and then eventually they they were able to start editing things and uh creating new stuff but uh it's interesting what people can take especially with video games because you can control these characters right um and what can you do in an interesting way with them right and i think i think in a lot of ways that's going to be because there's there's also the element of i i i think what what we can expect is like or what someone if they my brain's going a million miles an hour right now (laughs) What would be cool is if you could essentially create a world like I just laid out, like a video mm-hmm. game, have characters that you say, I'm, I want I want a guy with a wolf head or I want a lion that has dragon wings. You know what I mean? Or I just want two knights, you know, and you tell this story and the things that's missing from video games, which is like lens depth, you know, or saying like we here's our palette and here's like a cinematic realistic animation style why don't you flip it to be like animation style of what what you might see from spider-verse you know what i mean yeah or flip it and it becomes 2d animation you know what i mean like almost turning on a switch to choose your animation style flip on a switch and like you can change the environment you can kind of control a little bit lighting that's an environment Mm -hmm. so basically it's like it's kind of what 3d animators do to create these 3d movies but it's all there for creative storytellers so that they can easily like almost like a video game set up their scene virtually and then and then get your shots and get your characters to say certain things were literally like you yeah have it's like you like the character it's almost like what they did with this. it's like what they did with surfs up it's like create a yeah. virtual yeah. landscape and then film but it does but make it user friendly like where mm-hmm. someone can just go onto the game i guess in a way and they can craft they can choose what environment they want they can choose if it's night or day they can choose if they're inside a building in a specific environment and where the moonlight's coming into the building those kind of things yeah um and then choose your characters that are already built up and then you build meaning around these characters and 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 and, and what i was saying with lens depth is important too like if you say we're gonna put a 50 millimeter lens 
So when you get closer, it creates more depth in the background, that kind of thing. Yeah. It almost feels like kind of the vision with with a video game or like an animated world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's 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 like a it's like a video game that's meant to be telling a cinematic story for production you know yeah like it's yeah like you, if don't you take have video to, game and production and mix them together design a whole bunch of really good 3d models mm-hmm. um design a really large interesting world that can be manipulated and animated to your you know like in unreal or something mm-hmm. to your specifications and then yeah and then it's like ready set go you get <laughs> and people are already doing Set it kind of in, in like un, unreal and stuff but um yeah to be able to get in there and just like control exactly what the character does and yeah i think with i think with ai helping to uh fill in some of the gaps of like you know designing character uh you know little quirks and things like the way that like somebody might fidget or whatever and 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 being able to put the uh put the put put things like if you have somebody fidget right with Mm -hmm. their fingers you don't want to be doing it all the time you want them to be doing it randomly right yeah i think i think you're right i think this this is definitely going to become a thing i just think it it's going to be interesting to see where it goes because imagine especially with Hollywood, we've been talking about how Hollywood is they're they're losing compared to what individuals the indie market can create. If there was a tool like this, animation, I mean, Disney, Pixar, everybody would be out of business. Because if you had an open game world, and then customizable, customizable aspects to it, all of a sudden, imagine we're gonna get so many rebel moon, what we're about mm-hmm. to see with Jack Schneider. Imagine that, except instead of using real real actors, they're just animated characters. But the the movie itself can be done inside, like the story and the cinematics and everything can be yeah. done in there. Like what we see with Arcane. Imagine if you did mm-hmm. Arcane, you could just do that inside of a, a virtual world that's set up to tell your story like that. And you don't have to be the one who designs it from the ground up. It's kind of already there for you to just shift and customize things as needed, but nothing too dramatic. So like people are already doing it with games like we saw here, whether they're telling their own story or telling mm-hmm. the game story. Just give give another layer of element of control and create the the world is not about necessarily gameplay, but rather for the sake of but rather play for the sake of uh, telling a story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and yeah. I, I think filmmakers, for one, editors and cinematographers would dive into that so fast and would get like would enter the gamer world so quickly. Like I'm not a gamer, mm-hmm. but I am a cinematographer and I am an editor. And I would love to mess with that because I could literally create the most beautiful things ever in a world that's customized like that. It would be so much fun. My goodness, that, that would, would be, be fun. fun. Um, yeah, that's know. all I have for this. Okay. It, I think I think it's going to screw up Hollywood a lot more, uh, and especially as this becomes more mainstream. But what the dude did is smart and it's brilliant. I just want to see. I just want to see like version twenty of this. You know, 
uh-huh ready <laughs> for the, ready for the the next 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 gen yeah yeah that's what i'm ready to see and i'm ready to see it on on a big scale so we can see all different types of work because i mean we've talked you know? about it before merging like storytelling and video games and how elden ring has has done that and other games have done that but like when does it stop becoming um merging storytelling and video games uh, so that people who play video games get to experience the story and right. merging storytelling and uh, a, a video game like thing where you don't have to play the video game. Right, right. You can just watch think, my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's all very exciting. And I think it's going to open up a, a, a beautiful, fun world that I'm mm. ready to dive into personally. I think it'd be awesome. I think it's going to be so much fun. Uh, I want to actually jump into this, though, because I've been waiting <clears throat> to talk with you guys about this, and you brought it up. So yeah, I have not seen it. Did you watch it? I, ha- I haven't watched it. Um, I, you I guys haven't watched, watched it. it. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it because I just because it, it, it came out recently, and uh, I've been very busy since it came out. All so, right, so we're talking about the Netflix documentary uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. Yeah, this is okay. like a it's it's a mini series. It's like three episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's four episodes. What okay. what did you want to talk about this? Because this is um, so I I, I first of all, Joe's watched it. Yep. What were your thoughts, Joe, on how they portrayed this trial? Uh. So here the the main thing is I think the I think the approach of the the documentary filmmakers or at least <coughs> storytellers of this trial it it's not like they were saying poor amber but they were definitely wanting the end result to be amber did wrong but also Johnny Depp did wrong too let's not forget mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. what i mean um and i think uh if we actually look at this scenario, Amber Heard, and the documentary shows this, she lied constantly, proven mm-hmm. that she lied. It was proven that Johnny Depp did some some dark things during the relationship, especially through text message form. He said some really dark things. Mm-hmm. But it was ultimately proven that he didn't – like it was disproven that he was violent, and it was proven that she was and I think yeah. that is the biggest thing. They, they spend a lot of time on the fact that the entire world was pro-Johnny and against Amber. And I think mm-hmm. that's why the documentary – the documentary almost would bait and switch you in a way. So it would be like they would get on this train and show all these creators that were following it online and doing their YouTube channels and stuff. And then they would cross-shoot cross it with people – with people watching on their phone, like brushing their teeth. And I was like, that's me. I was like literally at a hotel <laughs> on a trip. I was yeah. getting ready to work the next morning and I'm watching Johnny Depp and Amber on trial, like getting ready in the morning, brushing my teeth on my phone. And um, and they would be like, yeah, and Amber heard, like she said this crazy stuff and she's the one that abused it. And it's like, yeah, this is what we were all thinking in the moment. And it's like very validating. And then they're like, then they do like that switcheroo thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Where it's like, but it's actually Johnny Depp was found that he was doing something and this and here's the evidence for it. And you're mm-hmm. like, dang it. So so what you're saying, what you're trying to do is to make me feel bad that I was 
Right. I was on Johnny Depp's team and, and at that moment and, when Amber Heard and was being that way. I, I I think they did it that way because the because Johnny Depp won the case. Mm-hmm. And so Netflix can't necessarily be biased. They have to be like, you know, um, here's why you don't need to feel good about being happy for him that he won the case. And, uh, you know, I get why they're doing that. But uh, and and I'm sure, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, issues, more issues in this relationship than, you know, perhaps we know. But he his legal team kind of, you know proved that he was not in the wrong yeah um i think the real question i want to know because i didn't watch the documentary joseph um did she do cocaine on the stand did she have cocaine (laughs) in in that tissue actually you know what they they didn't the the they didn't like they they only so the it was edited in an interesting way this documentary because <laughs> yeah. most of it is it's not necessarily all like new footage and exclusive interviews that Netflix got they took everything that was out there already and edited it together in this story mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so they did like there was moments where they would show like the internet's response to something that happened during the trial yeah. and all the memes and everything um people like uploading their TikToks, mocking Amber or whatever. And there was a moment that I think they showed a meme or something of, of her wiping her nose and, and, and alluding to the cocaine, but they didn't spend any time on that. <laughs> well, it's, really. I, it's interesting uh, about, you know, how they're kind of making it uh, uh, about both of them and how wrong both of them are. Mm-hmm. I think they did that because they didn't want to feel bad about making this documentary and making a bunch of money off of them. Mm-hmm. off of because that was a lot of the controversy was like look how much press this is getting look how much yeah. support Johnny Depp is getting look how much hate she is getting now Netflix goes and continues to put eyes on the story mm-hmm. and they're like how do we alleviate the um continuous uh uh publicity of this subject and the fact that we are planning on making money off of it. Right. Uh, you know, well, we make it sort of unbiased so that we don't feel as bad. It was so incredibly pro Johnny Depp in culture and anti Amber Heard. Yeah. You can't ignore it. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't ignore that, but in some ways it actually kind of makes you, it kind of, like especially towards the end it starts to be like and if you were pro johnny depp 100 percent and just 100 percent anti amber heard like you're the butthole you know what i mean <laughs> like and it kind of kind of makes you feel that way you know they have to put they have to put that out there so that they don't sound uh massage they don't sound right whatever. right mm. but they they actually spent a good bit of time trying to clear her name about the whole money that she she was donating to you know how the initial divorce settlement of something i think was like three million dollars right yeah and she said that she donated it to um some childhood hospital i believe or childhood home or child's home or something and then it was shown in the case that she hadn't given any of that to them or had given like a total of like 20,000 or something to them. Yeah. It, and it wasn't, it wasn't even close to the amount that she had. 
that she she basically on the stand kept saying she pledged it and they were like but you haven't donated it yet and she mm-hmm. was like i have pledged this amount of money i have donated this amount of money and they're like there's it's different there's a difference between pledge and donate yeah. and then netflix went on this whole sidebar to kind of show that when people who donate a lot of money in increments over the course of like a certain amount of years like they refer to it as a pledge and it's considered donated but it's not all donated in one lump sum you know what i mean yeah so like they went on this long sidebar to try to prove like well amber heard actually is giving all this money away when in on the stand she was lying essentially by saying mm-hmm. that she gave the money away and she hadn't yet and they were trying to say, oh, she has – if she pledges it, it's considered and she's going to give it away over like the next 10 years in small increments. You know what I mean? Yeah. So would you mind pulling up the IMDb real quick? Uh, I just right. wanted to make a, a note, one note or two. Not a ton of information here mm-hmm. on the IMDb. Um, there's, you know – Cast, I love, I love cast. Amber Heard <laughs> self, Johnny Depp self, Nick uh, Vial self. Um, but going down, I think there's a review, at least one review that's like, um, oh, also the the did you know referenced connections referenced in Friday Night Tights. <laughs> <laughs> on, I love that 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 pops up here on IMDb. DC is still dumb. Lucasfilm failing. Yeah. What is this for? What is the did you that's know the, part? That's the title. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, did you, here's facts about this. It showed up on, on famous internet show Friday Night Times. Um, I got to, okay, that's very interesting. <laughs> it's got everybody. Yeah. What? <laughs> they Comics have IMDb division. pages? Oh, man, that's funny. All right, let me go back to this. Um. um so the yeah, top, and the then reviews right here. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Why was this even made? Uh, don't waste your <laughs> time this watching garbage. this garbage. Why is this featured here on IMDb? You know, um, I don't know. Like this, this comment specifically. I just thought I when I went and looked at the IMDb for this because I know a lot of people watched this miniseries, and I started scrolling down. I was like. Why is it connecting us to Friday Night Tights? <laughs> you know, why is it? Why are these reviews, the featured reviews here, uh, the negative reviews aren't aren't? Isn't IMDb supposed to kind of fluff up the thing a little bit? A little bit. Um, or is is culture kind of breaking through here on this IMDb page? Uh, I will say this is this is what a true think, statement. Josh? So it probably what I can what I'm just thinking is there was so much hate on what Joseph was saying is like them being trying to make it even where they were making Amber Heard pro Amber Heard a little bit Mm -hmm. so that it didn't seem so offsided with Johnny and Amber Heard type thing that they had no content because that's probably the only stuff they got was just so much. This is garbage because Johnny's mm-hmm. in the right here. Look, and yeah, so yeah, this this is a very true statement. Let me read this real quick because I I do agree with this. Um, worst of all, it disrespects the professionalism of the judge and jury who gave their time and insulting any and it's in ins 
insulting, insulting to anyone who watched the entire trial and made up their own minds by insinuating the verdict went one way. Uh, it did because we were all under the sway of a movie star and social media. Everyone knows justice got served in the case, completely unconvincing rubbish and the, uh, and the guise of a documentary. There's, I think that's correct because they, the way it's edited and put together is to basically make you say like, it kind of went one way because it's Johnny Depp and everyone loves Johnny Depp and so, no one likes Amber. You know so Josh I mean? is saying that the, 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 the distaste of kind of Netflix's, uh, um, Netflix's opinion or the document, the documentary, maker's opinion is the distaste is shining through for what they made and how they portrayed it uh and the fact that they are um attempting to make money from something like this also how much money did this make i mean it's on netflix so in theory did we don't know become a netflix subscriber because of this yeah we don't we don't know how much money this made Mm -hmm. and so you know they can talk all they want i think about like how uh how how like uh televised and dramatized this subject this matter was. was yeah this right. trial was and then you know so they they much. proceed to continue making money from it right and i that that's a good point actually i don't really know it, it that i think that's the big problem we have not that the subscription model is wrong, mm. but internally you have to decide if something's worth it or not. And so if you have an agenda or you have a specific th- like money-making opportunity you want to try to get at or a political agenda you, you're trying to get at, that with the, the current subscription model of entertainment, it doesn't you most a lot of times you don't get a chance to give the public the option to support it or not support it you know what i mean yeah yeah like what you're saying so with something like this that comes out on netflix we're like uh it's a fine documentary i'd probably give it like a i'd probably give it a five out of ten just because of the cleverness of how everything was edited and and summarizes what was going on however the end result is kind of talking down to people, you know? And, and so, and you don't, like you said, you don't know if, if they made money off this. And it's the same thing we have with rings of power. Amazon doesn't make money from prime video. You know what I mean? Mm. They make money from ordering people from people doing e-commerce. And so they can just keep taking e-commerce money and making garbage. And, um, and and so there's no longer the demand of the audience on if stuff gets made or not, or the direction of content even. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that, but I feel like it applies to this in some fashion. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely not speaking for the audience here, this documentary. Yeah. Which it's I think talking document- down to the audience. And I, I, you know what? I feel like documentaries often don't speak for the audience. Uh, and I think maybe they should. Maybe we'll make a, a documentary <laughs> that speaks for the audience. Yeah, maybe we we get. Oh, you know, it'd be awesome if if all the Friday Night Tights people or everybody who kind of has a similar view of Hollywood, just that, just the anti Hollywood crap culture on YouTube, 
all these creators got together and assisted in creating like a 10 part documentary on how terrible Hollywood and the deterioration of Hollywood mm-hmm. the past 20 years. And a lot of, a lot of those people are, are, you know, folks who have been involved in Hollywood involved in, yeah. uh, you know, TV and movies and comic books and things and have and, oh, experienced awesome? a lot of it. A lot of the wouldn't bad it be, stuff. It would be so incredible if literally just a online large group of ragtag creators just created the ultimate smash hit rampage I'm against Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Documentary. That'd be so awesome. Because it's I'm like the people are fighting back and it's not controlled by Hollywood. You know what I mean? I am down for that. Yeah. I mean, this this would be the time to put it out with all the this, strikes yeah, going on exactly. and stuff. Damn, um, maybe we need to maybe we need to reach out to people and start getting something. Made. Just get it, get it moving, <laughs> get it, get um, it going. That's kind of all I had for the the documentary. Um, right. I have one more segment. We don't have to do it. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let, let's. It's let's, it's let's a quick. It's, it. This is oh. a quick, just a real quick improv challenge. It's a I wanted to. Okay. I wanted to give you guys an improv I challenge. To, I was I was padding for time just in case we were running you know, low on time at the end of the, not running low, but we had a lot of extra time to fill at the end of the podcast. Um, So I had a much larger game, but I'm going to condense it down and and we'll we'll do a pretty quick improv thing here. Okay. Um, I picked this. I am legend photo because uh, we are going to do some alternate endings. Um, Okay. uh, I am uh legend has an alternate ending. So does a lot of movies. I would like you guys to pick one of your favorite movies and give me an improv alternate ending for that movie that you think would be uh, satisfactory oh. to the viewers. Almost like a 30-second story, yes, kind of. Almost like an alternate ending version. Story, but an alternate okay. ending. Okay, okay. So mm. 30 second ultimate ending. Pick your, your favorite movie and give me what you believe would be a satisfactory alternate ending um or maybe a, a non-satisfactory alternate ending to that movie interesting now my favorite my favorite movie is kind of a while it's kind of a part of a series so i love i almost my feel like thing is the first three pirates of the caribbeans then they did four and five and in my mind i could come up with an end to three and then not create four and five all right. So give me, it, yeah, yeah. Create your your alternate ending to number three for pirates. The the series of pirates. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you have one to kick us off? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. You guys yeah, think about yours, fun. and I'll. I'll tell the audience mine. So uh, I was thinking about Hook. What would be a good alternate ending for Hook? Uh, something interesting, but something also satisfying, and. Um, I was always kind of sad at the end of Hook because, you know, he goes back to the real world and we're not sure if we're not really sure if it's a dream, you know, and then Toodles obviously flies off into the distance, kind of confirming everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I always thought it would almost be more fun if he went and got his family the same way that he went and got Wendy and the boys at the beginning of the Peter Pan movie and took them to Neverland. Took them. He, he does the same thing that he does in um, the beginning of Peter Pan is he comes into the window 
and he whisks them away with him. Um, mm. I just got chills all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> of, <laughs> Look at that. I, you can't see on the camera, and, but and, you know, I the, just got chills for some reason. You know, you it's the same sort of ending. You see him and the kids and Moira and Wendy and Toodles, and they're all flying off second start of the right straight on till morning. Heck yeah. Yeah. That be would fun. be that would be fun to me. And they see him as Peter Pan. Yeah. Um and they know that he's still that that kid, but also he's their father and husband and friend. Yeah. So the the the, Pete, the legend of Peter is strong at mm-hmm. the end still, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that sounds beautiful. That um, is beautiful. I, I can't I can't make huge improvements on a couple things. So I think at the end of At World's End, um, I think the personally, I think Barbosa should have died. Okay. I think Barbosa should have died in a magnificent hero's or pirate hero's death, especially okay. um, especially during that. In some ways, I almost would have loved to see Barbosa give his life for Will Turner so that Will can become the Davy Jones he needs to become. You know what I mean? Yeah. I dislike I dislike that Jack and Barbosa are still fighting over the Black Pearl at the end of At World's End, right? Yeah. I don't like that. I'd rather see Barbosa leave and he has a hero's exit. Um and and it would be cool to kind of say he actually wanted to capture and kill Will in the first movie, but now at the end of the third, he gives his own life so that Will can find his own destiny, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and 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 for his character, it would make sense of being like, right. I've died before, right. and I can it, do it again. Exactly. And I think... Um, yeah. I think... Or even, ooh, even, even Barbosa taking on a curse. That's true. It, even if, yeah, if even Barbosa, Barbosa, even if Barbosa became Davy Jones... That'd be kind of cool too. Dude, a line where he's like, I've been cursed before. Right. Yeah. No. That would wow. be pretty sick. Now, I, I would say I with Elizabeth, her story, and Jack's story, I want Jack, I, I want Jack to almost be on the run and still have troubles relationally with people. I think that's true to his character. So with Will, with um Elizabeth being the pirate king, I think she should have remained strong in the pirate king label Hmm. and almost like she's she needs to carry out like maybe they add something to the story where after the fight after the carnage that she almost had to basically carry out a disciplinary action to jack for something you know and then jack's on the run so really it's more like elizabeth and all the pirates that she's king over is now after Jack and the Black Pearl and his ragtag crew, Ooh, you know what I mean? Fun. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm no, saying. I instead like of that. He was instead on the of run this from the weird... British, and now he's on the run from the pirates. Yeah, that's. I think that's between fun. Elizabeth and Barbosa's story, they should have been fleshed out in a big way. And mm-hmm. I think that I love the idea of maybe him becoming Davy Jones or giving his life for the cause for Will's uh, destiny. Um, and I wanted they needed to make Elizabeth's. Elizabeth's uh, story. As there, the, the end is yeah, because like the like the end is she's after she's gonna execute uh, uh, Jack Sparrow, but you know Will as the captain of the Flying Dutchman saves him. 
Yeah, again. against his own wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be Ooh, pretty that's, sick. That's kind of fun. <laughs> That, yeah, and that, that leads into – I think that leads into a much better story for a fourth movie. But the thing movie. is I don't think there needs to be another movie after No, there wouldn't, there wouldn't might need to be another perfectly. one. And yeah. the cool thing is the fact that Elizabeth remained in the pirate world means that she can see her husband more often mm-hmm. instead yes. of this weird yeah. every 10 years yeah. thing. You know what I mean? That was totally unrealistic as far yeah, as – Yeah, they don't have to see each other every 10 years. They can see each other as much as they want. He just can't as come on As much land. as they want. Yes, exactly. I never <laughs> I never <laughs> understood they could see each other as much as they wanted. A- mm-hmm. Except for when he's carrying out his duties to harbor right, the obvi- souls. But how many times was Davy Jones coming up out of the water and, and – All the time. Talking to people and hanging out with people. All the time. Yeah. But, but you know, whatever, man. That, that that's, that's my better ending. What's yours, Joshua? I, don't, I can't – I really, really like this, and I know we've talked about this off camera, but I honestly can't think of one right now, and I don't know if I want to because I know as soon as we end this podcast, I'm going to be like, this would have been a better thing well, to throw say. It out there, Just throw something out there. I don't even know. I want to say, like, I, I was trying to think of, like, Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. where he said, like, I got to go see about a girl, but I'm like, you know, I like that ending. He's going to see about the girl. It, that's that's a good ending. I can't do anything with that. And so I don't want to. There's definitely been, I can't, I can't think of it, but there's definitely been, we've talked about where someone almost passes the mantle onto somebody else where they haven't quite done it right in films that I know we've talked about before mm-hmm. that I would like this, like the, you know, the hero passes the mantle on and, I, there, there's a lot of movies that that. All right, let me so let me let me nothing. get um, let me get more. I got specific. nothing for you. I got Re- nothing for you. You have to so you have much. to give me an alternate ending to Ready Player One. Yeah, you have to. Okay, Just do Ready it. Player you One. You have to give me an alternate ending. So the real ending is the 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 bad guy gets thrown in jail. They win the uh, the corporation. Oasis. The Oasis, yeah. and they shut it down on like Thursdays and Fridays or something. <laughs> um, and that's the end, and everybody's happy, and we all know what happens. Give me an alternate ending. It doesn't have to be bad, just alternate. Different. Alternate. I think, you know, they win the game, but they don't get the rights or the... You know, it it has to be like they don't get the rights to the to the oasis. They mm-hmm. almost um, it almost becomes. I don't I don't know. It it almost becomes free to the public. You don't you love it too much. Yeah. You can't you can't change yeah, I can't it. Change it. I can't change it. <laughs> I got nothing for you. I, I know. See, I I know I've got stuff, but I just I, there's so much I want to. I can't. I could can't. see it becoming free to the public and ending with um, instead of them being in charge, we're just once again we're kind of like back to one. Our our group we're just what we always wanted to be is just cogs, small cogs in this big yeah. thing. We just want right. to be our group of of. Easter egg hunters and and <laughs> players and um, adventurers. 
I could right. see that happening too, where they get to be, um, they get to be just another group of people, uh, yeah. playing the game. Yeah. They get to play the game. Yeah. Get to keep playing the game. Now, uh, I mean, there is, if you read the books, there's a ready player two where they show kind of after the fact of the game and it's, it's a little different, but in the movie we're talking about movies i want to give the audience some uh as as we we kind of end i want to give the audience some homework speaking of endings there's one it's not the best ending in the world but it's a brilliant ending if you haven't watched the fablemans yet watch the ending watch the fablemans we need to watch and pay attention to the ending because the ending of the that whole end scene and then the end shot is just so good it just speaks so well and complements the movie as a whole so well Watch the end of the Fablemans as some homework, just to watch a good movie and to enjoy the way it ends. I think you'll—it's just some homework for you. I think it, you'll enjoy it, and you—you'll definitely yeah. enjoy it, Wyatt. You cool. ought to watch the movie. You ought to. Okay.